If you teach yourself and your people to use this as just a starting point, even to talk through either change that you want to make because you have a vision or change that maybe you have to make, you still got to address the issues in the calculation. The formula doesn't change regardless of the origination of the dissatisfaction or the vision. Hi, and welcome to the Leadership Now series with Nick Vujicic and Christine Grimm, ARIA Consulting, 23 years of executive coaching, and I'm humbled that she is my coach. I could not lead without the sound coaching from Christine. I'm so glad, Chris, that we get to coach everyone watching. Tell us what we're going to be experiencing here on this series. Yeah, we're going to coach you uh, around leadership, around real challenges, how to navigate the challenges that you have right now, and and how to feel good about it. I'm so excited, Chris, you're going to be sharing with us also your pool of CEOs that can bring in and chime in some principles from their experience as well. Thank you for joining us here on the Leadership Now series. Here's today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Now series with Christine Grimm from Aria Consulting and Nick Vujicic here. Welcome. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this awesome content to edify, empower, and encourage leaders all around the world. Chris, thanks so much again for, uh, for doing this uh, series with me. How are you? I'm great. How could I be bad? It's us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so great to uh, get into this episode. Um, we've got some slides uh, as well. This is going to be a very interesting and educative episode even for me you're sharing some formulas that i'm actually seeing for the very first time myself and we're we're, we're coming up with the formula in how to tackle change um it's one thing to have the mindset uh and and the ability to come from a holistic point of view how important that is and we just did recently looking after the humans uh which is really important from a team position but now getting to the, uh, the forefront for the visionaries, the CEOs, um, now that the dust has been settled and the reset button has either been hit, being hit right now, or choosing which kind of reset button we're hitting, this is such a timely episode, Chris. Um, I'm so thankful and excited to get into uh, tackling change. What is the formula to tackling that? Um, love you, Chris. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this because I'm such a geek. Everybody knows that. I've been coaching for a long time, but I love that I get to show my screen right now um, on this podcast. Oh my gosh, this is so geeky and fun. Uh, I love it. I know you do. This is great. You know, I, I love math. Well, this is kind of like math. So uh, let me just give some context. You just opened it up really well. So uh, as most of you know, if you've been with us, uh, I think this is like our 13th or 14th episode. Can't, can't even remember. Uh, it's just too much fun. We, we lose track. Um, last, last time we did talk about managing the humans. And as part of preparation from that, for that, uh, we had people send us uh, questions, comments, suggestions on what would be useful um, to, for us to talk about. And you know, last time we talked a lot about people really talking about what they needed from their boss or what would help them, what could help leaders lead better right now. And one of the things that is quite common to hear in organizations and on teams is that uh, many leaders are great at casting a vision uh, and many people are really good at being dissatisfied, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, but, but organizations oftentimes aren't really great at managing change and getting the outcomes they thought they wanted in the beginning of the process. So um, uh, let, let's just talk a little bit about that. So I pulled this. This is not new. You could Google this, anybody, if you're interested, if you're a geek like me and you want to learn more. This original model, it's pretty old. It's by a man named Richard Beckhart. Um, you can read about him. I won't bore you all now and knowing that, but, but he really is um, fantastic and established this change formula, which a lot of people have built on over time. Uh, you can find more on our website. We have a blog about this uh, if you're interested. 
but it's quite simple, uh, the calculation here. So it is dissatisfaction uh, with a vision for what could be, plus the first steps of making the change, well, that has to be greater than the cost of change. And a, and a great way to think about this if from an image standpoint is this, like we think about it, if it was a scale, so it has to weight heavier on the side of your dissatisfaction, right? Like, I don't really like what's happening here, or we need a new accounting system, or we're gonna grow our business uh, because we wanna make more money. Um, we're not satisfied. So I wanna talk a little bit about that. I just, um, I showed that to everybody so you can picture when I say the formula, uh, that it actually is like that. And so um, before I take this off and so we can just look at the two of us, um, I, I wanna make something clear. Uh, this, what looks like a simple formula has a lot of thinking and behavior associated with each of, each of those letters. And I wanna talk with you about that, but I'm presenting it to you because it, uh, change doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be a mystery. Uh, and if you as a leader, so this is for you leaders out there, regardless of the size of your business or the size of your team, you could easily adopt something like this and use it almost like a little checklist uh, when you're trying to drive change. And with your team, talk through the pieces of this and really remember that if this side over here, dissatisfaction plus the vision, or really these are exponential, so we put a little times here, um, plus the first steps to change, if that's not greater, if that's not weighing heavier out here, then what people perceive to be or the actual cost of changing something, like if this one's down here, right? Um, chances are it's not gonna happen. So anyway, let's just talk about that, uh, especially because you're really good at the V. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is Mr. Mr. V. That's my last name. Uh, Mr. Visionary. Look, um, really interesting. Um, even, even, um, I'll, I'll change the context of it. My desire to get off the road, um, that was a big vision, mm -hmm. but I didn't really plan it. Um, and I wasn't satisfied at how much I was personally traveling. So coming from a personal point of view, before you go business, uh, the cost of change, it didn't cost me anything. It took a little risk. It, it would be a calculated amount of risk, but I didn't even take that first step of planning just because it was too comfortable. Um, yeah, but the cost, there actually would have been a big cost if before Corona. So it's interesting that you're using this because if we unpack that, Nick, you were dissatisfied, dissatisfied more when you had kids. Your uh, travel in particular, I remember us talking about it a lot, right? The more kids you had. Yeah. This army of children that you have now. Uh, <laughs> well, you only have four. <laughs> only. Uh, but look before Kiyoshi when you were kind of thinking about what might be different you started talking about I probably won't travel as much I want to be more with my family right so the dissatisfaction every time you took a trip and you were away for a while that that goes in that dissatisfaction bucket right you saying oh I hate being away from the family and I'm exhausted and like okay that goes in dissatisfaction you had a vision right you started saying I, I wish my life would be this way. I wish I didn't have to travel so much. I wish I could do things. And then you started to think about first steps, right? That started to happen. The tent is a great example, right? You started building ways digital to, to do things. But the cost for a very long time, the reason this is a great use case, everybody, is because there was actual cost for him to get off the road before Corona. Actual cost money, there was real money to be left on the table. So you would have had to say no to speaking engagements and other uh, endorsements and things like that. Then, thanks, Corona, uh, the universe went like this to your scale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the genie of the universe said, Nick, let us take care of that for you. It's an interesting way to put it. Uh, yeah. Now, coming back to, I love the way that you put that for context for everyone, because um, it's so good to hear it verbalized. 
never really verbalized or put this in verbiage before. Um, from a corporate point of view, um, when everything's going great and there's no corona in sight, um, you know, the detriment to the company because of comfortability or there was a little risk um, that, you know, we, we will have to completely, you know, take a risk where we can't, maybe it's a, a merge change in, in going from lane to lane and there's a merging, a transition. But really, it's such a high level risk sometimes where it's like all or nothing kind of change. And so uh, can you describe maybe those three, three kind of maybe personalities of visionaries where it's like all or nothing for me or it's merging, yeah. but where do you even begin? Or it's just too much hassle. Why change anything? Look how good everything's going. Yeah, for sure. Well, if we think about, uh, I love the way you said that, right? I think that visionary or vision is different for each leader, right? So I agree with you, there's categories. There's definitely the people who are my dreamy, innovative visionaries. You're one of those uh, from day number one, Nick. Uh, you know, remember you used to say to me, I don't know, God turned on the tap and it just never stops. The, the <laughs> Um, which is fantastic, right? But, but I, I know those people. I think like Elon Musk is like that. I think there are other, um, you know, people watching us right now, if you're one of those people who just have cool ideas and always thinking the next thing. Uh, and then I have my leaders who are, are a bit more measured than that. Like they don't necessarily have big, bold visions until maybe um, something occurs that kind of drives that. Um, and, and by the way, you know, COVID and everything we've gone through this year, for some people have, have done that, right? They're, they're experiencing things like we talked about on our episode with Regina Ellis, right? Whether that's adversity or watching other people or just literally having an idea um, because all of a sudden we're in such unfamiliar territory, something pops up, right? So some people don't live their life as a visionary, but then all of a sudden have a, a thing. Um, a vision. And, you know, we, for a number of episodes, have been talking about leaders having to reboot. And so in that process, someone who's maybe not naturally visionary, you know, might come up with a very clear understanding and vision for the future that could be born out of dissatisfaction. It could actually just be born of their business and maybe conversations that have been happening over time and the cost of shifting everything, um, was, was too great or seemingly too great. And then, by the way, I think that there's a third style for sure. I have some leaders who are not visionaries at all. Um, they're, they're highly operational. And by the way, that's not a criticism. That is an observation, right? That they're, they can't really see out into the future because they are very focused on operationally keeping the organization doing what it does well right now or problem solving. Um, the reason why I think this is a relative, this is a material, Nick, is that um, that whole equation is important specifically if you are not just making change for yourself, but you need other people to come along with you. Mm. <laughs> right. And so in leadership, since this is a leadership podcast, I really thought it was important because Oftentimes, regardless of your style, our leaders will, you know, cast a vision, communicate something. We're going to be a $10 billion company or we're, I was working with a young startup uh, of um, wonderful people. Uh, the startup is called farmshelf.com. I'll give them a little shameless plug. They're amazing, amazing young men and women. Um, and their original vision was to do business with other businesses. And they were providing what is essentially a very high tech, cool indoor Wi-Fi enabled garden so that anybody could have fresh food. Uh, they started with like school cafeterias and hotels and businesses. You guys can look them up. They're amazing. Well, COVID hit and they had to shift very quickly into because restaurants were closed. Um, hotels were closed, like a lot of their customers were closed. Uh, mm -hmm. So they went B to C very quickly. They had to go to the, what was 
a long-term vision for them that they thought, oh, that won't happen for a long time. And they pivoted very quickly to a new vision to put these in people's homes. And they had to redo their whole equation, right? Like they had to look at the whole thing and go, whoa, 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 our vision was this. Um, So now there's a new problem to solve. How do we do that? And so it's important when I showed you that D plus or times V plus FS, and I want to make sure we talk about it because each of those is important. I think people know what dissatisfaction is, but I don't want to take something for granted because dissatisfaction, um, you know, doesn't always have to be really ugly. Right. So, yes, there's dissatisfaction that shows up like pain. We're losing money. We're losing customers. We have a right. problem. That, though, that's dissatisfaction, right? When the team's talking about, oh, problems, like we can't get a license of where we're going to put our tents, Nick. <laughs> Whatever, like there's angst and, and problems. That is dissatisfaction. But usually what has to happen for most comfortable humans in normal businesses, if everything's going on okay, is the dissatisfaction has to reach a level of pain before they're willing to take the risk of creating real sustainable change, right? So to your point, when things are going good, when the money's flowing and when our business model is working, uh, you have to be in serious crisis or pain to actually make big change, right? Something's got- No, I love that. Yeah, I've always said desperation births revolution. I was so inspired this week, Chris, one of my friends that you've never met, his name is Joe. Joe had this, um, he's got a portfolio of Airbnb vacation rentals. And we all know what happened in 2020. And they were looking at going belly up that April, May. You know what he did? Talk about genius. Talk about dissatisfaction, right? Losing money and that pain and then bringing a revolution in. Uh, it's unbelievable what he did. He's a genius. Mm. He made the right connections to the Air Force uh, Mm. who needed to find placements for military um, who needed to quarantine. Oh, interesting. Can you imagine, like, connecting those dots? I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. No way. That's ingenious. Um, Perfect example as well of something out of our industry and something not, you know, team building kind of. But I mean, it's, 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 I was like, this guy's genius. Is my age. It's amazing. Um, I love that. Uh, It was amazing. Like, first of all, everybody run it through the equation, right? So pain point. Oh my gosh, my old model won't work. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? All my revenue is going away. Vision. For some reason, he was inspired. Clearly, he knew people. He knew this was a problem to solve, and he could solve it. He very quickly got to the FS portion of that, which is first steps. You can have all the vision in the world, and you can have all the pain in the world. If you and your team aren't super clear about realistic first steps, at least three to five of them. If your team is sitting around going, uh, but what do we do? Um, Then you can't move, right? Everybody gets stuck. Sometimes they get paralyzed. And then of course, that had to be greater than the cost of the change. Somewhere in their exploration of the first steps, like you said, he did some homework, got the right connections. And then all of a sudden, the dissatisfaction and the vision became like, oh, wow, we can really do this concrete, realistic first steps. And oh, we can afford it. Like, and maybe we're more than going to afford it. The cost of change, oh, not so bad. Right? Like, we can pull this off. Right. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I want to talk about something, though, that gets in the way of this. So I just mentioned one of them. Wait, can I just say, could it be true that this formula is one of the more common formulas or seasons in a company's life where either it it feels like it's a breakthrough, right? It's not just surviving, but even on the breakthrough where you're thriving and it needs to change, just like you said. And the people who realize that, yeah, we're doing okay, 
but now we want to go from good to great. And to do that, here is the formula with the first steps. That could be also a tearing of, of or how would you say, ripening process of knowing who's coming with you on the next level. Having these discussions and going for the next five years or the next 10 years, yeah. uh, because I know that, you know, the, the, the turnaround rate for all companies, it, it's all different from nonprofits to for-profit. But this would be the, the point, the growth spurt, the, um, you know, the new wine in the wineskin kind of thing too, not just from the survival point of view, but going to the next level. Would that be correct in that statement? Yeah, I think so. I want to actually add some new language for you, Nick, because you just said something and there's some terminology around it. And it was cast by, do you remember Dr. George Land? He no. was Barry Wilson and your Uncle Bata and people that we both know. Um, for, for our listeners, we, we know a bunch of old, um, amazing men who have done amazing things in their lives, some of who have passed, some of who are still around telling us what to do. I say that with love. Um, <laughs> Dr. George Land, who has passed, uh, wrote a book called Grow or Die. Uh, it was up for a Pulitzer back in 1974. Um, but there's some parts of it. Uh, and Nick, I, I want to make sure I connect it because for anybody out there, you don't have to know Dr. Land's work or read the book um, to understand that basically he said, grow or die. And he also predicted quite well, actually, back in 1974, that what was going to happen is that as technology enabled us to um, move faster because our interactions would, would change, right? Technologies enabled us to interact with each other, buy things faster, uh, get information flow faster. His prediction was that as that started to accelerate, that our need to, as leaders, understand how to quickly adapt and grow and change was going to also accelerate. And because he knew that wasn't gonna stop, right? We're living in it, by the way, everybody, we're living in it. Look at our, our children who are enabled with devices and a digital world at an earlier time of life. So they're learning how to intake all this information and sort it out um, and, and put it to use. We have, uh, I mean, my daughter can make a video on the internet, not just on TikTok, but very, very quickly you know, because they're learning to adapt with the use of technology very quickly. And I know some people can argue that's good or bad, but it is. And so for business, coming back, Nick, to what you just said, I believe that the change formula is one basic thinking tool that a leader can use with their team. Again, I don't care the size of your business or nonprofit or for-profit. If you teach yourself and your people to use this as just a starting point, even to talk through either change that you want to make because you have a vision or change that maybe you have to make because your industry or your business is being forced to change, doesn't matter. You still gotta address the issues in the calculation. The formula doesn't change regardless of the origination of the dissatisfaction or the vision. Love it, love it. So I interrupted you, go back to your train of thought. I'm so sorry, but that was like gold. Did you guys just hear that? Did you listen to that? Amazing. I'm glad you think it's amazing. You know, I do it every day. So sometimes I forget how powerful it is. Um, okay, so this is really important. Nick, gosh, this is uh, something I know that you sometimes love and sometimes you don't, right? Getting your team to start to see your vision enough that they can propose first steps. Not every leader is good at that. Not every leader, sorry leaders, not all of you are patient enough to do it. Um, so one test of your team is that, right? Talking about dissatisfaction enough and vision enough and starting to quantify those as much as possible, but then letting your team come back to you with at least the start of a plan so that the first steps feel tangible and real and doable to them because you don't want to present a vision that's so far out there and disconnected from your team that you're kind of setting them up for failure, but also you're, you're diluting and, you know, frankly, devaluing your own vision. Um, and lots of leaders want to move super fast and sometimes their team can't quite get the first steps fast enough. Um, and I know that that's happened to you. It's happened to me. Um, it's the unsexy part, I think. A hundred percent. 
<laughs> but what's really cool about that process is how much you learn about yourself as a leader. Uh, you True. always learn more about yourself more than anything. Um, it's it's under, trying to understand what you think you said versus what was said mm-hmm. and what they heard and then what they understood. It's so true. Because what you understand when a leader says X, Y, Z, you only have one frame of reference based on your history of your experience, of your knowledge and the wisdom that you've been given so far. And if that's limited in any way, shape or form in the direction and the canvas of what's being pitched, um, you know, I just want to encourage everyone to just be frank and transparent and not feel like that, um, you know, well, then I have to admit that I, I'm, I may, I might need some help and more direction with the planning part because this, I don't know this, um, or I never had experience with this. Um, it's great to huddle with the team, but like just always being transparent as well uh, has, has really served us well within the team, Amy, um, and having just good heart-to-heart conversations. And I'm also going to point the finger at me. Um, really interesting how uh, easy it is to overlook me or my lack of discipline sometimes of checking in and 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 assuming some things or um uh how how can i say it i've given myself slack in the last six months because of covid to not ask the questions that i really wanted to know the answers to um not because i was so busy but i know that everyone's a little overwhelmed as well um how does a leader chris especially in 2020 the last eight months where all hell is breaking loose, right? Uh, and everyone's drowning, uh, per se, or the perception of it. Um, how do you as a leader set the tone? Um, do you say, hey, look, th- you know, things have changed a little bit if you haven't heard about COVID. And uh, we're going from now um, a, a pulse check of monthly to weekly or Hey, let's make a let's make a conversation happen to already start changing what we did have in plan as the first steps. Um, hey, because of this, this, and this, let's huddle together and let's get all our minds into this, and let's agree now on the new path. Um, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm just talking to myself right here, but you know, I wish I was checking more qualitative data in 2020 uh monthly now looking back i've already regretted that straight up um and not being so proactively waiting for someone to tell me what i think they should know what to tell me Mm. yeah it's really great reflection um i'm proud of you uh for being able to do that so what nick just did everybody uh is is important for leaders to be able to do right reflect and think about what we call the plus delta, what's been working, what's not working. And you just did a little bit about that with, with that. Um, I, I want to come back and answer you in two ways. I want to say, first of all, what happens, like if you just take the formula for a moment and apply real life to it, Nick, is that once we get out of the thinking in our head of like the dissatisfaction has now enabled my vision in my mind to come alive. Really, that's what reboot is, everybody, right? So all of a sudden, you're ready. Something in you is ready to do this new thing, or you're being forced to do some version of the new thing. For us to get through the first steps process with our team, is it's some exploratory and planning and process like you're doing, Nick, right? Like you're really trying to, in real life, start to make the new the real reality. And so you being reflective of like, oh, I wish we had more data, or I wish I would have been doing this differently, or I wish the team would communicate for me more. Anytime we start to take our new vision and bring it into real life, we're going to have to go through that transition period where everybody starts to figure out what are the right first steps and start to get some wins. Oh, this must be working. You started a podcast. (laughs) 
you're like on your own, I don't know, 20 something. I don't even know how many episodes you have. Maybe you have a hundred. I don't know how many episodes. No, I think we're at, we're, at, we're at 21. And and also to say like the grace, right? The human aspect of grace. That's right. <laughs> where, you know, I didn't even know where my toes were, you know, for a couple months in there. So keep going. I know where your toe is. <laughs> You're silly. Um, yeah, though it, it, it is, it takes time. I think that it's uh, important that leaders understand that that first steps portion is a process. It doesn't usually happen in one day. It could, you know, in some situations I have seen magic happen, right? Some kind of miraculous moment where the team brainstorms and starts to move and then all of a sudden they've got a, a plan it seems. But I want to talk about what's on the other side of the, the scale here because cost of change has a lot packed into it. And one of those things is resistance or what can feel like resistance to the boss, right? So I'm a visionary, I'm Nick, and I've got this awesome idea and we're doing it. And your team is trying to do that. Like they're trying to figure out the plan, like the process, etc. And sometimes that trial and error specifically guys, if you have smart people that you're working with, you're going to have people who come up with all the reasons why this might not work. <laughs> Some are the people you pay to do that, right? Um, but what that feels like to the visionary or my leaders, you, uh, is resistance. They don't like my idea. They're not going to do my idea. And I'm, what I'm saying to you is oftentimes that's on the other side of that scale because what we do as humans is first of all we look at the material cost is this going to cost me money are we going to lose money lose what's the risk right are we losing people are we losing locations are what are we what are the losses potential risk um how much is it going to cost uh, for us or invest in this process do we have to buy a new camera do we have to buy a new whatever but then on the people side, change usually means everyone has to change something they're doing, how they're doing it, what they're saying, how fast they're doing it. Um, for you to have weekly reports, it means someone who might have been giving you a monthly report, all of a sudden to give you a weekly report, whoa, I got to do something different. And so on the cost of change side of our scale, I want everybody to realize leaders and non-leaders that every person included in the process now is consciously or subconsciously thinking about what it's gonna cost them to change. And so if we're afraid of that, like my job's gonna change. Oh my gosh, my job's gonna change. Oh my gosh, I could lose my job, whatever. If there's any fear of this change at all, even if they think your vision is good, Vision's great, woohoo, right? But, hmm, wait a minute, what if Nick never does another live event ever? But I'm the events person. What does that mean to me, right? Every person has all of those things. So I want you to understand that on the cost for change size, everybody's thinking that, whether they know it or not, they're just literally taking into some account, what's it gonna take for me to do this? What if I can't do it? And, and if you think about every change, I'm working in a company right now, we've helped them with their strategic plan. One of those things is a new financial accounting system, Nick. Everybody knows it's a good idea. The old system is old and bad. Dissatisfaction, high. Vision for the new, they looked at all kinds of systems. They're picking the best ones. It's cool, it's got bells and whistles. It's got automated things of magic. People, it does math without you. Um, so the vision for it is there. They've got some clear first steps, but all the people involved now are like, whoa, wait a minute. I have to learn a whole new thing? Oh, I forgot. Whoa or I didn't take that into consideration, what if I'm bad at it? And so what does it feel like? Back to what I was saying, well, it feels like resistance to the leaders. Right. And when you have that, though, communication, though, between the team and the leader, you know, it's, it's good to even over-communicate from a leader's point of view to say, look, we're in this together. 
you know, we're going to figure this out together. And, and obviously when something's not broke, don't fix it. Right. From, from, from the team team's point of view. So there's a subconscious level from a visionary leader point of view where it's like, you know, well, let's all go for the best. Is it just me that's going for the best or, you know, it's taken us this long to get to great, but they don't even know what's in my head for the next 10 years. And so it's like, you know, like you said, most visionary leaders are impatient. I've learned a lot of patience uh, because of you uh, a lot uh, that I didn't have before. And I still need more. Um, and, and I'm excited because this is a growing pain uh, for nearly every single organization in the world. And, and, and it's almost like the um, shocking revelation where I was, I think maybe in between the lines, my brain's thinking subconsciously as well. I wish we had more defined goals mm. that were set, those first steps, the plan, the execution, the management of it, the reporting of it, the, the, the analysis of it, then the tweaks to it. It's almost like five steps. And, and it's like, okay, well, I have learned so much in 2020 that moving forward, um, even though we've all agreed on plan, like making a plan, very high level, coming down to that qualitative data and analysis is so critical because at least then you have reference points, mm -hmm. right? If you, if you're, let me, let me explain what I'm trying to say. If you had first steps, if you had a plan, if you had the goals and you were managing the goals and you had analytical data and qualitative and quantitative data and per month, per month, per month, per month, then it, then when COVID or something like that happens, then we're looking at that and we're seeing the data and we're seeing what change we need to make. Not having those five or six verticals in some of the departments um, is really challenging them. And you feel like, whoa, 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 we're, we're scrambling. We're like, oh, we, it feels like we've got a piece of land and we're trying to build a structure from scratch almost, you know? It's like, okay, with this environment. So I've really learned a lot in the last month. Um, and I'm excited just that you're sharing these tools with leaders out there to really not just be reactive, but be proactive as well. That's what we're talking about. Because the better leader you are, the better you can lead a team. Um, and, and as you lead the team better, then the team gets better. Um, and, and, and that's when that momentum is just, it's gold. Um, it's fun. Yep. Um, not having that. Yeah. Talk about resistance. Like that's yucky. Um, well, it's also effective. Can we just, but it's great at the same, I was just going to say, but it's great at the same time. And it's exciting. It, it births things, right? Like having a baby is exciting, I hear, Christine. Yeah, <laughs> you would know that. Uh, I, I think that that's actually the most important part, right? So I remember when you first started talking about um, the tent experience, right? Nick in a tent with LWL and how your team was like, whoa, how is that even going to happen, right? And that was a big, a big vision. The team did so well with that one. When it came to life, Amazing. do you remember me walking in your office and on the whiteboard, all of a sudden I was like, we're having more than one tent? Like what happened? And it was because they did the first one, everybody learned and all of a sudden your vision, when you first cast your vision, I don't know if you remember this, but you were like, we're gonna do five a year or something, I mean, everybody, this guy, uh, you know, big vision, boom, we're going to do this. And of course the team was like, Nick, uh, but once it was happened, look, it, it, it makes the satisfaction that comes when any team, and I love my job because I get to live with you guys through the ups and downs and the execution of your visions, right? Watching it come to life. 
watching it um, get so real that your people who might not have understood, right? So reducing the cost of change <laughs> so that they can actually see it and feel it and like it and go through whatever changes they have to to make it sustainable. Right, I do want to say the part of grow or die that I referenced in a little bit is sustainable change, people, not just a one-time thing. Um, so, you know, that means that means you got to bring your people along for the long haul. So your point about communication is important because part of reducing the cost of change is helping your people understand, you know, sometimes what doesn't feel very sexy, frankly, leaders, uh, is, you know, what does this change actually mean? And, you know, to your point, Nick, understanding the data around it, but also understanding what your people think is going to change. In my blog post, you all can read about this. I talk about something called MSU, making stuff up. We humans, <laughs> we're, we're all graduates of MSU, but not like Michigan or Missouri State. It's uh, making stuff up university. <laughs> and, and the reason we do that is because we are um, fear-based animals, whether you know it or not, we self, we're self-protective. Because of that, and specifically when we want to protect our job and our, our um, life, our livelihood, if something's changing at work and it's significant to our job, we're going to try and predict what that is so that we can control the outcomes. So the more, again, reducing the cost of change or whatever I believe it is for your team is communicating more of, with them around what is actually changing, how are we going to ensure that we do it realistically? And that's why I said it doesn't always feel sexy to my in a hurry type A leaders. Um, but I would say to all of you that it's worth it. And, and the pain against egos. Oh, right. And the pain against the egos. <laughs> do you want to talk more about that? Such a good talk. No, I don't want to talk more about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, but it's it's awesome. And what's cool is that we're we're in this together. And it's all real life, and it's all real problems, and it's all real vision. It's all real impact. That's why I feel like so excited, because you know what? You know, I don't know. I wasn't planning on ever saying this publicly, but if there are any leaders that's actually become dissatisfied in what you're leading. I, I will never get to that point, God forbid, because my greatest passion is to, through life without limbs, talk about my faith and how my faith in God has changed my life. And the letters and the emails and the testimonials of people being touched and changed and transformed, um, that never gets old. Um, and when you're doing something that you love, and you also work for a company that actually makes change. Um, you mean look, macro level? Yeah. Like on a macro level or impacting lives. Like, you know, I'm, I've heard from some caregivers who've left um, for various reasons in life and chapters that uh, they're a little dissatisfied in now what they're doing now even though it's still a caregiving job, it's because it wasn't part of a global mission per se. And, and I think um, how quickly us humans uh, take things for granted. And, 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 and at the same time, it's not though that you shouldn't have as much passion in your job or your workplace because it's not a feed the orphans or whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it's the life and having satisfaction in it and, and, and loving who you are, being aware of who you are and what talents and gifts you can give that gives you a sense and creativity in the purpose-ness within that company itself. But I was just like, you know, I feel spoiled, Chris. Hmm. I feel spoiled. Um, not that it's been hard, not that it hasn't been hard work. I've just calculated I haven't stopped since age 17. Mm -hmm. uh, you haven't stopped for 23 years uh, with ARIA Consulting and you were hustling before that. Um, 
but when you do what you love, uh, not only can you get refreshed and not take it for granted, but that's also why you get more passionate and protective. Totally. As leaders and vision, like it's your baby. And so the growing process and maturity, not my baby, but the stewardship that I have and, and, and seeing that maturity process and that arc last five years, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's just something that I'm continuing to learn and grow in, Chris, where you don't want to micromanage team. You don't want them to be afraid that uh, you don't trust them. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you got to speak your mind and, so- and, and, and talk, you know, and not be afraid if, if there is some resistance. I mean, hello, right? Uh, that's how anything's birthed. Nothing's easy. Um, that's one of the, 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 the most craziest, most difficult things of entrepreneurship just about in all the world. Guess what? You got to work with people called human beings, uh, and, and, and we love each other. Uh, it's just so amazing. The dynamic and the complexity of psychology on the conscious, on the subconscious, the, the verbal communication, the nonverbal what you say, how you say it, which is what you've even taught us. You've taught us a whole dictionary in how to talk to each other. You know, like yeah. when this and this and this, it makes me feel, right? We all know that line. Um, it makes me feel, uh, and, and we do it in a way of total respect and, and transparency. And it's cool because you get that, I'm just gonna stop here, the reciprocal respect. Mm-hmm. That this is the tools that we have to have iron sharpen iron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Look, that just made me think of one last thing that we need to say about this. I would say to all of you, and you and I have talked about this, when your people are resisting in a tangible way, if you can think about that as a good thing, and the reason why I'm saying that to you is that I know it doesn't feel good when people are disagreeing or when they might be criticizing your vision or telling you it can't be done. But if you can start to see that, first of all, if your people are engaged enough that they're willing to argue with you about something you care about that much, that is really good news. You have a way worse problem when everybody says yes and in the head, in their heads, they're thinking this is never gonna work, but they just go along with you and let you spend the money, time and effort and energy and half-heartedly and then it doesn't work out well and your vision doesn't get lived out or it were worse, you spend money and it potentially puts you in a bad place um, in a whole, with your resources. That is, is a terrible problem. It is a blessing. It is a gift for you when people care enough to engage and push back on your vision. If that is happening to any of you, um, I, I have a, a class that I've taught in corporate for a long time around harnessing resistance because when the energy of resistance is a force that you feel like is pushing against you then you as a visionary should probably have some moments where you start to think about wait a minute because when you get those people on your side there ain't nothing stopping that train like when you turn the skeptics into fans when you get your team members who are the most skeptical, and maybe by the way, they have data you should be listening to because they might actually know in a very rational way why this idea might not work. When you take the time to listen to them, when you get past probably your anger or your ego or whatever it is that's mad about the resistance and the force against you, again, when you can just work through that and then invite it, Part of that class I was telling you about is oftentimes the leaders look at me like I'm nuts, but I'm like, oh my gosh, do focus groups, do something, do interviews, talk to them, hear every reason why they think your thing won't work. Most of those people just need to be heard because underneath it, again, they're just afraid of something. So I just want to say that is my last thing is like take resistance. It's almost a compliment. Like if people are really going to put the energy to tell you no, um, you have them. They're with you. And often I love it. opposite. No, I love it. And so, you know, to all the team members, right? Bring up, you know, whatever points you want to work. You know, I got, I'm going to say it in interesting words. Um, over the years, 
I've had people who were third party contracts come in and speak to uh, team members and I'm on the phone on audio and uh, I'm speaking and the third party sees my uh, team member rolling their eyes. Oh, right. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. And, and then like, it's like, are you guys okay? Like, like I get that from, from third parties. Like, like it just, it's weird, you know, or, or I'm, I'm on a phone call and, and, you know, just letting, letting people be heard and listen is so important. Um, you know, and not interrupting each other and just mutual respect. Um, you know, if you've got team members rolling their eyes in front of third party consultants while the boss is on the phone, you know, that just does, that's not kosher. You know, there's something wrong. That means we need a conversation. <laughs> I, love oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so good. Um, wasn't recent, Chris. Don't worry. Uh, I love you so much. Um, just being so candid and just real, man. Like, this is real, Chris. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, I know this is, it's, it's what I love what you say nearly every single week. I know that this is helping people. And for those of you who are watching and listening, if you'd like any more resources, go to aria.com. Uh, uh, check out Aria Consulting. There's free resources there. They've even got coaches if you're looking for a coach. Uh, Chris, just thank you so much for sharing your uh, years and years of wisdom and experience in trying to bring in light, courage, empowerment, uh, and tools. Uh, to corporate on a global scale. Thank you for doing what you do. Yeah, I'm thrilled. Are you kidding me? Come on. This is the best. Thank you for doing this podcast, Chris. We'll see you next week. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. Help us reach as many people as possible by giving us a rating, a review, and subscribing to this podcast. Love you so much. And remember, share this with anyone you know who needs to hear this as well. I'll see you next week.